0: this is conquering columbus hey there everybody mike here and you're listening to the conquering columbus podcast if it's your first time here on this show we interview business leaders from around columbus to learn more about how they got to where they are today as well as get the inside scoop on where columbus is heading So today on the show, we're talking with Todd Swickard, CEO and founder of Smart One Marketing. Todd has a unique perspective on the digital marketing industry, especially given the breadth of his experience in the field. And to start the interview, we asked Todd about how he got into the marketing field and what brought him into digital marketing. And here's what he said.
1: I would do um, what they call GSA marketing or a government marketplace. So I would be you know, out there working with different schools and municipalities and hospitals and anybody who had a GSA contract. Just kind of got into the marketing side and then out of a whim, I got a call from a recruiter because um, did really well at Compact and, and they said, hey, would you uh, like to interview for this company called AutoConnect.net? You know, at the time there was a lot of companies that were the .coms and things like that and this was a .net. I said, sure, you know, kind of our whim, I'll, I'll do this. Later,
0: Todd spoke on what his team looks like today and how they are building and scaling the company.
1: So we've just hired two basically people that are just focused on data and reporting and analyzing, pushing things out so we can not only monetize what's out there, but you know, also our internal clients and clients looking back at our clients and going, okay, what can we do to help you guys here? That's really where big or small, that becomes more and more critical. You know, even when you're smaller, you have a niche market, We can now help somebody selling concrete sealers for driveways, right? And everybody's like, they spend $100,000 a year online? Yeah, they do, right? Because, you know, they can make money going through the traditional channels, but we can make more money by selling it online
0: direct. We wrap the show up with some advice from Todd for all the entrepreneurs out there when it comes to building websites and digital marketing strategies.
1: You know, you have a website, keep the content fresh, but you don't have to get overly crazy with it, especially for a small guy or a small business. I've seen guys write two blogs a week and I'm like, uh, have fun with that, right? Like you're never gonna get picked up, you know, you're wasting your time. You know, there's other efforts that you can spend. Social media is great for awareness, but it's not necessarily a lead driver at first. You can make things happen, but it gets more expensive, you know, as you narrow down your audience. Understand you kind of get what you pay for. Do you want the key or do you want the
0: Cadillac? Josh and I had a great time chatting with Todd. And as always, we hope you learned a lot from the conversation. So thanks so much for tuning in. That's it for me for this intro. On to the show. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. We've got Josh and I both in the booth today. Josh, what's going on?
2: Not too much, dude. Just 15 minutes late and feeling like I can't catch up today, but it's good.
0: Well, you know, it's because you stack your calendar so much. You got even this dude, this dude, I'm talking to our guest, but you guys don't know who it is yet, but he's got wall-to-wall meetings and I don't know how he does it. I would lose my mind.
2: It's almost bad because then you get a free time. You don't even know what to do with it. You're like, I know I should do something productive. And then it's like, he has to
0: block his free time. There has to be a disease.
2: I bet there's a name out there for it of like feeling like you have to block every minute of your day.
0: Well, there's been times where we've been planning, like going to dinner or something, right? Because we all hang out after, you know, after this and and on the weekends and we'll be like, Josh, you going to show up to this thing? And he's like, well, you didn't send
2: a calendar invite. I'm just trying to make them more responsible and disciplined. (laughs) Because I want my friends to be successful in life.
0: Yeah. On that note, today on the show joining us, we've got Todd Swicker joining us. and He's the CEO and co-founder of Smart One Marketing. Smart One Marketing is a full-service digital partner offering solutions to help with everything from website design and development to sales training SEO optimization social media and more and Todd founded Smart One Marketing in 2009 and they have continued to grow the company since then so we're excited to talk with Todd about Smart One his entrepreneurial journey and so much more welcome to Conquering Columbus Todd thanks gentlemen I yeah. appreciate your time thanks so much for joining us
2: Is co-founder right or, or is it founder
1: So we were actually, I was actually the founder in 2009
2: Did I say co-founder yep. Said co-founder, but we yep. corrected it. That's yes. why I called it. Good.
0: Apologies. Yeah, I don't know. Is that I must have been uh, just seeing things on the outline. But so, Todd, one of the first places we like to start is just get a little background information on yourself, your story, kind of how you got to where you are today. So, as far back as have you always lived in Columbus?
1: So I actually did live in Columbus. I I lived out uh, East Studebaker area, and then uh, went to Carnegie Mellon. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, uh, after college, uh, parents lived in Newark, so I moved back to Newark and then would uh, come over here in Columbus when I started working. Started working for a compact computer company. Um, many moons ago, it was a computer company. You guys are a little young, but it was a, it was actually there. It used to sell
0: a compact computer company. Is that compact. like a laptop? Yeah, it's like a laptop.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 with a Q, right? Right. right. So they actually bought a, a at the company uh, when I was with compact. They actually bought a company called Digital mm-hmm. right which made different machines at the same time. So funny. I I I go back a few few days, and it makes me feel a little bit old. But I'll I'll be good with that.
2: And at Carnegie, did you study engineering there? I mean, it's big engineering school, right?
1: So. I actually got the Mellon scholarship for robotics and started in robotics. Like
0: battle robots? or Like, you know, I'm like, like the, like the big robots, right? Yeah, like yeah. the big kid
1: robots. Um, and then, uh, just kind of transitioned into business from there. Mm-hmm. Um, realized that I, I wasn't an engineer and or I, I respect engineers, but, uh, I realized I wasn't one. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a lot more math than I ever wanted to do.
0: I was going to be a dentist. Yeah.
1: And Yeah. Same thing.
0: Nope. Not for me. So got right out of it. Not working. Yeah. No, it totally makes sense. So, so you get the, you get the degree from Carnegie, you go on and you start working at a compact computer company. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so what I'm curious about is like from there, right. Where? How do you get into marketing? Like, where does that come into play?
1: I would do um, what they call GSA marketing or a government marketplace. So I would be, you know, out there uh, working with different schools and municipalities and hospitals and uh, anything. Anybody had a GSA contract, just kind of got into the marketing side. And then out of a whim, I got a call from a recruiter because um, did really well at compact, and and they said, Hey, would you uh, like to interview for this company called AutoConnect.net? Um, You know, at at the time, we had a lot of, uh, there was a lot of companies that were, you know, the dot-coms and and things like that. And this was a dot-net. I said, sure, you Mm -hmm. know, kind of on a whim, I'll I'll do this. What what uh, year is this? This would have been 97, so Mm -hmm. 97, 98. Got the uh, call and uh, the next next uh, week and said, hey, can you come down to Atlanta? And for two weeks for training, um, once we got there, we realized we were some of the first 100 people at uh, autotrader.com um, is what it transitioned into um, very quickly. Basically just started, you know, selling to car dealers about this whole new internet thing, as hmm. they called it. Um, you know, I used to get the sun, you know, how long I've been doing this. Right. You now this is just a fad. We've yeah. seen this before, this ain't gonna happen. So was successful there. And Tata uh, learned a whole lot about marketing. I, I will give Auto Trader a lot of credit. They, they teach you a lot of of different ways. You know, it's Cox Enterprises, it's ADP, it's Landmark Communications so at that time. So we got to, you know, see a whole ton of, you know, they would basically march in like the Atlanta Journal-Constitution sales manager and, and they'd tell how you sell newspaper. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as he'd walk out of the conference area, right. We would literally go back and go, this is how we're going to sell against them. Right. So they didn't realize that they were actually on their way to their death march through auto trader.
0: Interestingly. So I've got a, just kind of a random question here, which is, you know, thinking about, cause you were there at a time where, I mean, really the internet was taking off, right. Mm -hmm. Just starting out. And I'd be curious, what, what do you think something today that if you went back and told yourself at that time, like you got, got a chance to go back and look at yourself and say, Hey, Look at this. Like, what do you think you'd be most shocked by and how marketing has changed?
1: You know, it, it was funny. At, at Trader. we had all kinds of companies that would come in and add in products and searches. And it, it's it's funny. So, you know, a, a buddy of mine made fun of me at, at one of the local radio station managers, you know, calls me the Todd father of the internet because mm-hmm. I've been doing this for so long. And when we looked at it, we now see products that are out there that you know, we sold a auto trader. You know, it was click the call, and you know, hey, we're gonna make this, and you know, they said, oh, we could make something. It's going on your phone, and we're like, wow, really? Like this is, mm-hmm. you know, this that's the time you had blackberries with the yep. you no know, black and white screen, and, and you know, you couldn't even and, yeah, yeah, you couldn't even you know, it, it wouldn't even draw a car, <laughs> right? You know, you had internet that was slow, and and you couldn't find it. Um, but again, it was amazing of watching how the automotive industry was always interesting to me because they. You know, they were pushed to go forward fast because everybody, you know, at that time... You know, it hasn't really happened until like uh, COVID actually hit that people are like, okay, I'll just buy my car online. You know, I don't need to see it as much as I did before. Um, so now you have a lot of shoppers that are just, you know, literally will never walk into a dealer showroom. But again, they called that 23 years ago. You know, mm-hmm. that was one of the scare tactics that Cars Direct used to say, oh, we're just gonna cut out the dealers and we're just gonna go direct. It never happened. You look back now and you're like, wow, you know, those are, those are a lot of bets. There's a lot of predictions, but mm-hmm. uh, some of them didn't come. It didn't come true till later. Sure.
2: So you're at Auto Trader. How many years in total do you end up being there?
1: I was at Auto Trader for two years, and then I sold a lot of dealer websites. That was one of the products that they actually used to sell. And then Auto Trader at one point in time decided that they weren't gonna go sell dealer websites. So there was a startup out of uh Burlington, Vermont called uh, Earthcars.net. Everybody knows them now as dealer.com. So my job is once I got hired, was National Director of Sales. And the goal was once I came in, we're turning on dealer.com and we're building this. And I worked there for two years. We quadrupled the amount of um, dealers we had in less than two years um, and continued to move on to that. So ended up selling a couple of years ago for about a billion dollars. And ironically, it's now back in the hands of AutoTrader. Hmm. So, Auto Trader and Cox, um, or Cox Enterprises, um, they own the, the dealer market in a lot of different ways. So it's uh, it's funny to see it kind of come full circle.
2: And as you're climbing through both those different companies, are you really focused at that point in time on getting that C level, or, or making your own company at some point, or were you enjoying the journey and and? you know, kind of a casual work-life balance. What did your life look like at that point?
1: You know, those, those four years, <laughs> to be honest, were awesome. It was back in the heyday, you know, I had, you know, there's probably somebody at trader going to hate me for this, but I mean, I got yelled at for not using my expense account, yeah. right? Like, you know, go spend money because we need to make sure that our budgets are blown before the end of the quarter. So we get them next, next quarter. Made some great connections. You know, I, I visited, Just about every dealer in five states around here. So, I mean, I'd put a ton of miles on cars and and see them and, you know, we'd have conferences and and things like that. It was amazing to, you know, watch that progression. But, you know, it it was a, I was a national sales manager, right? So it's Mm -hmm. don't mess with my money. It was one thing I learned a lot at AutoTrader and dealer.com is how to correctly structure a pay plan right, for salespeople. So I always have empathy for my salespeople of don't mess with my pay plan. So it is what it is. And I hope you make more money than me, right? Because in the long run, I'll I'll make money on that side. So I got, you know, just uh, at Auto Trader, I got tired of, you know, the pay plan changes. And and I started watching these dealers. I called them, they would build these Taj Mahals, but they were really like filled with dreams. Mm -hmm. So they, you know, just build this grand, you know, website and they'd spend $20,000 on it, but then they wouldn't promote it right? They didn't know how to get it out there. They didn't know, you know, literally telling them to tag the bottom of their commercials with their WWW. It was a fight, right? Or, or to put it on your business cards or to collect email addresses and, and do things like that. So as time marched on, you know I started consulting for some customers and and one of them was Bob Chevrolet here in Columbus, B O B B Bob Chevrolet. Um so it, it was it was down, you know, not in the best neighborhood. Now it is. I mean it's now part of you know the children's complex. Mm-hmm. But it was down on Parsons and Livingston. You know, right behind us was Uzi Alley as we called it. But you know we started we started really kicking in and, and made it a destination. We were pulling leads from all over the country. Uh, we did some really cool projects there. And then as dealers is a very dealers are a very tight knit group. So they're like, okay, well, how'd you do that? Okay, well, how'd you do that? So we got started to get passed around. It just became bigger and bigger and bigger. And then this little company called Google came along. I used to have to explain to people that Google's a search engine. Yeah. I used to do it when it was Overture, which mm-hmm. was a partnership between AltaVista and Yahoo. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Alta Vista. That was a search engine for you young listeners. So, you know, I used to bid three cents on Oldsmobile Alero. Right. You know, and and try to get that out there. Oldsmobile was a car brand, too. Mm -hmm. Right. So as we go out there and started figuring out, you know, how do we do this? How do we put it together with uh, just natural search results? How do we get them to come up? How do we get them to, you know, where do we want to advertise? How do we want to advertise it when somebody's finding it? Um, and started learning and applying basics of marketing to it. You mm-hmm. know, it was it was the new Yellow Pages. It was the new Billboard. It was the new, you know, just getting them to understand that was really tough. But we kept on growing and growing. That company morphed into from, it started out as auto dealer traffic, and Auto Dealer Traffic actually bought, we got a little trouble with GM at one point in time. I can say this now because I think the clause is lifted on it. But we actually bought a, a URL um, called gmsupplier.net. Um, they had gmsupplier.com. So it was a supplier pricing. We started getting more leads than GM Buy Power did at one point in time. And then we <laughs> bought Chevy Latino and Chevy Work Truck. Um, and then we started advertising. And literally, um, if you look back at the records, like Bob would actually outpace, you know, some of the, R-words, Rikert, and things like that around town because we'd sell just cars across the country. GM kind of stepped in because some dealers got mad about that. And then I had, uh, Jeff got a little trouble for that. Uh, we just started getting lower and lower allocation as they tried to squeeze us out of that. But my one of my claim to fame is, you know, every dealer in the country after we settled, um, had to rewrite their entire, had to resign their entire dealer contract saying that they wouldn't buy brand-related URLs That's without funny. approval. <laughs> And then for about three years, I had a a lawyer at GM in one of their buildings. Every time I bought something would just, you know, call me immediately. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, what are you buying this for? I'm "I'm buying it for a dealer. Right. Right. Like, this is their name. Like, oh, you you better be buying it for a dealer. I'm like, I am. I'm not breaking the agreement. I'm good. I'm good. That's so
0: funny. Yeah. I mean, if you're doing arbitration with one of those big companies, though, you did something right, Mm -hmm. I think. Yeah. In most cases, it was
1: funny because the arbitrator had to be, uh, he's probably 75 years old. Had I don't, no ideas. He had like, what no are we doing? idea what we're doing, <laughs> what we're talking about. Right. And you know, like how, what, what, what are you doing selling a lead to a car dealer? Yeah. what's on selling a lead. Right. Had no clue. This was, that was the toughest arbitration because we're literally explaining like everything the and internet drawing, and, we're drawing the internet right. boring.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Is this the company that eventually becomes Smart One, or is this a separate? And, no, so and this so if is, it's separate. Then mm-hmm. how does that end up wrapping up? Sure. So we
1: um, transformed that company from auto dealer traffic into something called People to My Site. People to My Site. We hunted out there and well, we started in Germ Village and and then moved it to Kahana. The recession hit in seven and seven eight. We had at that point times almost eight hundred car dealers that we had contracts with across the country. We were in every major auto group. Um, we were rocking and rolling and basically giving them online marketing, um, advice and build a program called the search program that would integrate, you know, Bing ads or what well, was my MSN ads and mm-hmm. Google ads. And, and we pushed that out there, you know, it was, I was lucky. I was like one of the first 100 people that, um, was certified in Google. So I, I got to sit on boards and advisory things. And that was, that was great as, as it came through. And then the recession hit and all of a sudden about half of our, our dealer clients either couldn't pay or didn't exist. Um, so we took a a pretty good hit and had to kind of retool. And what what year is this again? This was uh well, this was Gotta seven eighty 8, nine. Yeah, 7, 8, 8, 9, 8, 9. 8, yeah. Seven eighty yeah, nine. seventy nine. So it got hit down.
2: And you're the you're the founder at this point of People to My Site. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you've been going at it for how many years?
1: So at that point, uh it's been it was seven seven years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was so like, like right around
0: mm-hmm. the time the bubble the dot com bubble burst. Right. To
1: the next recession. So the next recession, which, you know, affected the car dealers and, yeah. you know, and then, that was a big one. Something yeah. happened. Banks. Yeah. Banks, banks, something. And then you had the cash for clunkers. Right. Right. So you pulled ahead the car market. um, So you took all the used cars off the market and then you put anybody that was going to go into a new car ahead of, you know, basically their schedule. Mm -hmm. So car dealers struggled. We retooled. We had customers. uh, We started um, working with customers like Nationwide, Scots, MI Homes, Mm -hmm. different local companies around here. Once it started to pull out of the recession and the car dealers came back, I had a lot of investors. So we raised about 4.2 million in venture. Mm -hmm. And then I had a lot of those were car guys. So my board and I had a disagreement, very public disagreement. And... Uh, they basically we basically had a, a difference in the way the company was gonna go. Mm-hmm. Cause we we switched from about 30% um automotive um, to about 70% non-automotive and thirty percent automotive. And they wanted us to dig back into the car side. At that time, we'd powered like dealer.com and and some of my old friends that were at other companies, they were starting to sell our services. Um, you know, and then they were starting to, you know, build their own internal teams and looking whether to buy it or build it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we mm-hmm. talked with everybody from cars.com dot to auto trader of you know, where we would go from there.
2: And when you talk about power, I don't want to interrupt because this, mm-hmm. this piece that you're going is very intriguing, but Mm -hmm. how exactly are you powering them? You're, you're driving SEO, you're doing Google paid and search and display for them. Like what are all the initiatives?
1: So back in that point in time, you know, I was not a big fan of, of display or the banners, whatever you want to call it. So we did, um, basically MSN and uh, Google AdWords. And then we would do search engine optimization for us. Cause
0: so, the banner ads are what happened when, like if I search, and the first things pop up at the top, right? Right. I get the banner ad or so, like on a website banner ad.
1: Right. That has grown. And you know, uh, it, it took, you know, I'm a little bit more conservative on products that are roll out to customers until I feel really comfortable with it. it. took us some time to get there, but now we sell it every day as, as mm-hmm. part of our routine, just because there's so many data layers there. Sure. You know, I left there, started, uh, started people on my site, my board and I had a disagreement, and then I... Took about six months off, and um, actually the Columbus Dispatch came knocking um, and said, hey, do you know what? Um, Ironically, they're like, we were actually going to look into, you know, possibly a purchase there, but um, since you sold that one, you know, can you come in and consult with us, Mm -hmm. um, help us build a digital arm? So Dispatch obviously had 10 TV station over in Indianapolis, uh, the radio station, the print, so they had all that, and they had the ability to go out and and market that to their customers. Um, it, I give dispatch and, and that group, you know, they had a they had it starting to roll already, um, and then they wanted to add in our services. So um, I said, "Hey, can you create this?" And I said, "Sure, I'll go find a vendor for you." And then I try to start interviewing vendors, and I'm like, "They're idiots." I can't do it right <laughs> like I can't. I can't endorse any of these guys. So he's like, "Well, can you put together a little team and, you know, we kind of grew and grew and grew and dispatched before they sold." Um I think it's public knowledge now, but I, they were doing about $14 million a year in digital mm-hmm. um, digital sales outside of their own properties, which is impressive. Mm-hmm. They were always impressive because, you know, they were always looked at it from across the country. They were kind of an anomaly because they own so much in a market, but, mm-hmm. you know, they were also a newspaper that was doing very well selling digital. It's smart One just uh, kind of started on, on that side. I said I didn't want to, people to my site was up to 56 people. I said, oh, I'll start Smart One. I don't really want to go past Five. Right. Yeah, that didn't happen. Right. (laughs) So um, we kept on growing and then we got passed around to Summit Media Group, which is a a radio station group with uh, 10 different markets Mm -hmm. in in the South. Then we get passed around to a newspaper in Schenectady, New York. Then we get passed around here. We did no advertising. Right. So Mm -hmm. we just kept on we kept on growing organically um, because we've been in the business. We knew the business. We knew how to help their salespeople sell it too. how to package it, how to bundle it, how to put it together. You know, my background is is strange because, you know, I have a a tech background, but I also know how to sell things. Mm -hmm. Um, So it makes it a little bit easier for for our customers and once we'd work with a partner as we call them we'd have partners across the country and now we have partners in 65 different markets and the one that i haven't seen yet is my partner in hawaii i um, still working on that
0: one Yeah, you know i just gotta get uh, an onset going. i gotta
1: i gotta i gotta do a training for him right,
0: right? like you know let's let's get this rolling we were we we're working to sign somebody in barbados i'm like yeah hey send me on an onset i'll get out there <laughs> no problem
2: a newspaper publication. Mm -hmm. Maybe this comment would be really ignorant, but I feel like it's got to be so challenging to be successful then because it's like, at least today, the news is kind of commoditized. Maybe that's taken a change. People are realizing that certain news sources are uh, maybe positioned more credible to their perspective than others. But, you know, it's like the internet's blowing up and people are releasing content everywhere. And then all of a sudden you're trying to spend to get attention to your site, but then also capture those individuals. It's like I'm just so surprised that the dispatch and all the clients you're working with are able to be successful with that approach
1: so you know they have their their house inventory that they have like on dispatch.com and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm gonna be careful here because they're no longer a client that they got sold to right. and sold and sold but on mm-hmm. a media site like that so you have advertising that's what they call native advertising or house advertising and then so we would do off-site advertising so we would advertise. A customer would say, "Hey, on you know channel twelve, right? Mm-hmm. On channel twelve news, and you know you can sponsor that, and you can sponsor our weather page, and you know anytime that comes, somebody comes up, you 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 get traffic there." But then we would also take that same, say, uh, a roofer, and we'd actually find people that were in market for roofing, that were homeowners that had a household income, uh, you know, of uh, fifty thousand dollars plus that had a house that was over 15 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and depending on if, you know, there was storm damage or uh, uh, something that went through the market, we would go back and, and target those um, folks and with different products. Yeah, So you would have that on-site, which is usually, you know, it was like an 80-20 mix. So 80% our products, 20%
2: theirs. When you say their products, can you describe like a tactical element of that?
1: So, uh, you know, a media site will have, you know, if, if you look at it, a lot of times they'll have, uh, you know, a dedicated sponsor for weather or they'll run, you know, you run pre-roll on that media site. Um, so before you can watch the news, one of the news clips, you have to watch the the little 15-second video. Right. Um, the pre-roll. So those are products that they sell and that's how they monetize those sites. So those those sites used to be almost uh, I, I don't want to say a joke as far as their revenue went. Now they're one of their biggest drivers mm-hmm. um, because they know that, you know, tons of people monetize, you know, or are, are going to the web to get their news and don't necessarily watch, you know, 6 a.m., mm-hmm. 6 p.m. Or, or 11 p.m. news. Yeah, um, they're just going to the web and getting it, you know, on demand when they want
2: what they want. Right. Yeah, you know, choose what they want. So I, this isn't a newspaper podcast, but mm-hmm. I'm just yep. I'm always intrigued by the, the digital. So like talk about this a little bit more for a second. And unbox it. You have you have all this content you're putting out news, other stories and you're getting a bunch of people's attention, you're driving them to the page, Mm -hmm. you're trying to either get them to subscribe behind a paywall and get content, or you're going to monetize it through taking that attention and selling it to organizations that those are their potential customers. Like the local dentist, right?
0: Like the dentist wants to put a little ad on your page. Or the
2: roofer. Is there another angle there that I'm missing that you're describing when you say other people Products or is that the whole inclusive passion? I mean, they would
1: do um, you know, some of the some of the media sites have some cool texting products. You know, now they have apps, you know, so they can do push, push notifications, they can do coupons, they can do emails. You know, they they keep on trying to be find ways to to push that out there to find different ways to monetize, you know, some of their digital assets and some of their audience that they had. And they lost a lot of their audience and then you know, COVID saved them, right? Because you still had to go to a local no- news source a lot of times to find out, you know, what was going on. You couldn't necessarily pull that from right. a-, a national source. You had to get something a little bit closer. Yeah. So that really did give them a boost. And now they're trying to ride that wave out, but they're, you know, starting to lose their grip again.
0: I think I might be also confused where Josh is at the same place. So what I was confused about was the 80-20, right? 80% your products. Because like if their product is like selling like ads for the roof for the dentist, right? When you say 80% yours, do you mean like, hey, you're fulfilling 80% of those ad slots? No, no, no. So we weren't
1: fulfilling the ad slots. So we would sell them search engine marketing. We'd sell them a website. We'd sell them Mm -hmm. SEO for their own site.
0: Got it. And then 20% of the the business you're doing with them is you helping them with getting those. Correct. Got it. Correct. So so we were
1: driving, you know, you know, if you had an ad for a dentist, right, that Mm -hmm. was on uh, the media site and that would drive back to a website. Yep. So you know, we look at it and go, okay, you go back to the website, but there's no form to fill out. There's no address on there and there's no phone number. Sure. So we might want to fix that first. So we help them fix those things. We do SEO. We do email mm-hmm. marketing for that customer. So that customer was building their brand. Yeah. Right? And that's what Makes we'd sense. help them with. So they basically became, you know, a, a digital agency.
0: So, in, so it sounds like you're getting almost kind of, so from Smart One perspective, you're getting many streams of revenue because I'm mm-hmm. working with, I'm working with the dispatch, mm-hmm. helping them build their website, get their ads, get everything gone. Right. Right. And then the people who are buying ads from the dispatch, you're also working with them because you're going, Hey, when I click on this link that you put on the dispatch, I noticed this, this, and this. Now you've got another customer from that because you were able to talk to them and say, well, your ad, my client isn't going to work because you don't have everything developed properly. Do I got that. So it's almost yep. like word of mouth through that.
1: Right. So we were a, we were a, uh, you know, what they call a fulfillment house or a mm-hmm. white label, right? Yep. So a lot of times people didn't know we even existed. They just sure. thought we were an extension of the dispatch or they thought we were an extension of, you know, ABC Media Company. We got a little bit, you know, schizophrenic every once in a while because we get on a call and we're like, okay, wait, who are we? You know, and what company are we with and what's, you know, what's our title? And then as, you know, as as time's marched on, I mean, this will be our 13th, 14th year. I got to think about it. 14th year. Mm -hmm. Our 14th year, you know, a lot of our our partners are now pretty transparent. Like, hey, we just partner with this digital agency that's been around for so long. We don't even try to hide it that we're doing it or we don't have the team behind it. They have the team. And we're going to rely on their expertise and where smart one was more appetizing for me is, you know, I ran large sales teams and, you know, mm-hmm. I love salespeople. But at the same time, you know, you, you, there's a lot of people out there that you got to manage and, and do those sure. things where we could work with a partner and I would pick up 12 salespeople in a market. Mm-hmm. right And it cost me nothing to go into the market and go in and train them. you know the thing that we always wanted with our partners is look you guys have the connections right They've, you've sold radio to them, you sold TV to them, you sold print to them, whatever it might be. Now let's go back and sell digital to them you know you're you're trusted by them mm-hmm. sometimes. And, hey, but you can make the introduction where, you know, a, a typical agency, if we did that and try to enter a market, so I want to enter the, you know, pick a market, whatever it is, it's hundred grand just to drop right. into the market and try to push in. Right. Right. And then figure out who's who and get past the gatekeepers and mm-hmm. try to figure that out. Now we can just, we can walk in and, and basically set up shop and mess with the that's right. what the market
0: so you've really kind of scaled with channel sales mm-hmm. right selling through channel partners and right. people who have the access to the folks you want to mm-hmm. you want to talk to so okay makes a lot of sense so what does the team look like today then if it's not a lot of sales people right a lot of partners but what's the team look like now so we've we've transitioned a lot you know
1: as as time marches on we've we've had a lot more of our what we call our client success which is a hybrid of customer service and account management mm-hmm. so you know they not only take the problem but they also fix the problem and I've always been a big proponent of having one throat to choke. Um, so we have a lot of different products. I mean, we have things from you know they can buy IP addresses and and target market and and they'll do display and they'll need creative and they'll do a website and then they'll do search and then we got to do SEO and there's all those members on the team and the problem is is a lot of small businesses they might have some of those services kind of fractioned here and there and and then. You know, they got a call, you know, just say if you had a, a website over here and you had somebody else over here for your paid search and you had somebody else over here that was doing your display. Well, then all of a sudden you run, you know, uh, a special this weekend because you're, uh, you know, a spa store and you're putting spas at, you know, uh, yard sale prices, whatever. The And then you're pushing out there. Now you got to contact three different people and, you know, kind of hope and pray that they all coordinate and get it up at the same time. and. You know, you get different URLs where we can say, hey, you know what, we'll just take this in and channel it all in and okay, we do a campaign and it all moves smoothly.
0: Right. And you kind of unifying mm-hmm. the different aspects of that campaign to get better results. Right. Right. And then you can do retargeting. and all yeah. that stuff.
1: Yeah. Then it gives them more and more data. I mean, that's that's the biggest thing. So we've just hired um, two basically people that are just focused on data and reporting and analyzing, pushing things out so we can not only monetize, you know, what's out there, but, you know, also our internal clients and clients looking back at our clients and going, okay, what can we do to, to help you guys here? That's yeah. really where big or small, that mm-hmm. becomes more and more critical. You know, even when you're smaller, you have a niche market, we can now help somebody, you know, that's selling concrete sealers. Um, right. For driveways, right, and everybody's like, they spend a hundred thousand dollars a year mm-hmm. on on the online. Yeah, they do, mm-hmm. right? Because you know they can make money going through the traditional channels, but we can make more money by selling it online direct. Yep. You know, when COVID was COVID was gone uh, or, or shut down like shows and things like that. Even before that, we were you know we had products that. You know, we had some of our customers that weren't going to the trade shows, right? Mm-hmm. Because we could actually target everybody that walked into the trade show. And once they went home and fired up their computer, we could actually target them. Privacy's gone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And they keep on saying it's it's here. And we just laugh. because I'm still, yeah, throw I'm away still pretty phone.
0: confident. Yeah. I'm still pretty confident. The Amazon, she's yeah. listening to me for sure. She is.
2: What are your thoughts around like the elimination of the cookie and everything that's happened recently with the iOS changes?
0: Um, Have you ever
1: been to a Penn and Teller show? Mm -mm. But you know, look over here. Look, you know, the the Penn and Teller, the magicians out in Vegas, right? So, or any magician, it's look over here to my left hand because my right hand's going to slide something by. Right. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what they're doing right now. I'll get in trouble for this one, but you know, it's to us, you know, we have a lot of customers that freak out about that. The iOS change did. Did, did affect some things and you know, did cause us to go back and, and look at some of our data and, and how well it was being produced. And mm-hmm. um, we have about 150 data providers that we use. So we had to look and see who was collecting iOS data as a primary but, you know, the, the truth be told is that, that privacy, the problem isn't necessarily inside the machine or inside the OS or inside the browser. It's your phone, it's your TV, it's your smartphone. You know, mm-hmm. that phone, no matter where you go, it pings you, right? So as long as it has a signal or has it on, mm-hmm. it's transmitting to a tower. That tower data is now sold and there's actually a chip in the back of your machine that even after yeah, usually like a half hour after you turn it off, still registers. Yeah. So you're anonymized still. You know, back in I think it was '89 or something. No, it was. It's an old movie. It's it's called Enemy of the State. It had Will Smith with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and they would sit there and go, Hey, we can triangulate them and find them by their phone, and you know, we can pin them down to almost this building. We they can still do that same thing, but now it's become public and anonymized theoretically.
0: Right. I, to me, it seemed like with the Apple thing. And again, Apple, please don't come hunt me down Mm -hmm. for saying this, but it seemed like to me that they were just trying to get everybody to buy the data from them to prevent the applications you have on your phone from collecting the data and and using it. Right.
1: Yeah. But here's the thing. So you wonder why, you know, AT&T and, you know, Verizon and Spectrum and Mm -hmm. all those guys are in the phone business, right? The phone data is sold, right? Your phone data and your location data is sold. It's sold every day, right? Mm -hmm. And for you to fire up the phone and basically you go through the thing, do you agree to the terms and conditions? Yes. And you just hit yes and you hit yes and you hit yes. Because you think, oh, it's just a phone, terms and conditions. Well, that's because they're selling that data, right? And if you read it real fine and there's some ways to block that, but not much because so much relies on it and you really can't shut it down. But I mean, you wonder why TVs and TVs get bigger and smart TVs get cheaper. LG, Sony, Samsung, Insignia and, and all sell that data, mm-hmm. right? So as soon as you fire up that TV to get to the screen where you want, it yeah. sells that data. So, Which
0: while you're watching it, right? All when thought.
1: you're watching it, I mean, you're totally anonymized, but you're bucketed, right? And now you have a pattern. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're random, but now we know approximately where that was. And we know that you also were watching that as, a, a, you know, a, a stream uh, streaming commercial came across. That phone was also in that household, connected that Wi-Fi, and then it also walked into Home Depot or Lowe's later, right? Right. So it's creepy. You know, we won't get into IP targeting because that's even creepier because we could reverse, you know, mm-hmm. your address or your email address and basically find out, you know, where you live to a point. Mm-hmm. Um, and then target folks on that side. But it's great, you know, when you want to be efficient with your marketing dollar. Yeah. Right. So we're hillbillies in Ohio. So, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's kind of like a buckshot or a sniper. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're going to pay a little bit more. You're going to pay a lot more for the for the more efficient rifle or the more accurate rifle um, and the more accurate ammo that goes in that rifle um, instead of just kind of, you know, spraying and praying.
0: Right. Ideally, right. If you want, if you're using the sniper, you want to have larger conversion revenue, right? Like if you convert one, you need more money per revenue, right? So. We've been
1: able to find crazy things. Like we could find in a zip code in Virginia on these five streets, houses that have $450,000 or less on their mortgage with, you know, a household income of this and a credit score of this. And we Mm -hmm. can target those specific households to, to refinance their house. Yeah. And, you know, they paid $6,000 $6,000 for it, mm-hmm. but you know, they literally turned it off after two weeks because they had all they needed to do. Right. right? So they got 10 deals. Right? It was, that's, it's easy money for them. Right. Yeah, they're, they're jumbo loans. Right. That's wild. So
2: <clears throat> and what about the company current state, like team size and where you guys have gotten to and then what the goals are going forward?
1: Sure. So we're currently at uh, 24 different folks. Our biggest growth right now is our client success team as we're trying to manage our clients and give them uh, additional levels of service. Because, mm-hmm. you know, honestly, even pre-COVID, a lot of our business owners, you know, love them. But, you know, either they thought they knew, you know, they didn't know what they didn't know. Right. Or, you know, now they've become a little bit more astute and, you know, ask some more questions and and want to challenge a little bit more. So we give them a lot more attention. And that's required us to add some more people in that department, train those folks up, make sure that they're, you know, being proactive with the customer and saying, hey, we're seeing this. Hey, we're seeing this. Let's let's kind of change these things around or this is not working for you. Where before they would just kind of fire something up and, you know, kind of hope it worked. You know, a lot of times it would just because. You know, the other thing that we put in a lot, and it, we were literally just talking about this the other day, was uh, the automation that's come with a lot of our systems that are out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, Google used to sit there and, you know, used to have a sales team. One of the biggest things that they just did some massive layoffs with is their outside sales team, which we love because we're, a, we've been a Google partner forever. But then, the, you know, they'd actually call our customer and say, Hey, you know, for 500 bucks, you can do this with the guy spending 5,000, but Hey, tell him you can spend 500, right? Cause right. you have no clue what he's doing. It used to cause us nightmares, but you know, that was one of the things that they laid off, you know, some of that outside Salesforce, cause they want their trained partners to kind of step in and, you know, kind of help somebody do that. So people don't get burned. I mean, I remember when Google first came out, I, I thought it was funny in, in my dumb little stats brain, you know, I, I sat there and went, you know, there's about, uh, at that time on a keyword, you could bid on it somewhere around like 76 different ways. I think we're up in the different combinations. This was a rough estimation, you know, as you just do the multiplier, but you could bid on a, a specific keyword somewhere close to 96,000 different Jeez. ways, Right, like yeah. the different combinations. You know, it used to be self-serve. You had a, you know, you had a credit card, you had an Amex and you'd throw it down and, you know, you could do it. And we have still have a lot of people that go on Facebook and say, oh, I can do this. You're right. You can right? And I'm just, I'll tell you what take 20% off and give me that money and I'll do better, Yeah, right? Just because we do it all the time. We see all the changes. Facebook's notorious for changes and then they don't tell you, right? Like, hey, we changed this. Oh, great, thanks. You know, thanks for screwing up my day, right? Like, yeah, we'll we'll reconfigure, thanks.
0: Well, Todd, I think that's a good place to kind of head towards some of our last questions of the show. Unless Josh, you got anything before we uh, move ahead? That's all I got. All right. So first one is you have any advice for our listeners? And actually I told you a little bit about who they are prior to this conversation. So any advice for our listeners out there tuning in?
1: When it comes to digital, when you're looking at digital strategies, you know, interview your partner that you're going to go with, you know, there's a lot of folks that just because they have been doing it for a couple months or they did it for one company or didn't, you know, they, they decided that this was what they were going to do or pursue. It takes a lot more resources now. It takes a lot more funding now. Some of the, some of the engines and some of the The guys out there are kind of squeezing out the smaller guys that i call used to call them the basement agencies Mm -hmm. you know where it was one or two guys and trying to manage that i mean that's how we started Mm -hmm. now there's a lot of consolidation yep interview that company that's that's working with you on a digital make them a partner not a vendor you know make it incentivized to hey let's do this let's do it right you know you're you're going in a relationship with them you're not just you know dating anymore there's a lot of money on the line ask questions always learn Even today, you know, some of once in a while, I always love this. You know, I'll miss some newsletter or miss some briefing from one of the companies. They're like, hey, did you see this? Oh, no, not yet. Let me go check that out for you. But yeah, that'd be a great product for you. There's a lot of different products out there. Don't be afraid to experiment. The internet's the greatest thing about it is you can fail fast. So we can see results and is it working? Do we want to continue this? Yes, no. Don't get locked into a long-term contract. You know, we're proud that we've, for 13 years, we've had no long-term contracts. You know, it's a, a either a 30 or 90-day gig. And so we're always on the line. So when some other folks have it out there and they're kind of rolling it on, you know, they, they know they got you locked in. Mm-hmm. So we don't do that. So make it short, make it simple, learn, pay attention, ask questions.
2: From an organization standpoint on that topic, like what are the key mediums that they have to know if they have a direct consumer B2C model business?
1: You know, each one's different um, depending on if it's, uh, you know, if, you, if you're a service-based business, if you're a product-based business, you know, if you're selling things online, e-commerce is a whole different animal. If you're adding it into Amazon or you want to add it into different channel partners or eBay or whatever whatever it might be, that's a completely different way to to look at it and to view it. And it it Mm -hmm. takes some time and and they're different beasts. The website, if you have brick and mortar, you know, are we trying to do a cross between, hey, contact me here, but you can also come into the store. That's a different hybrid. But you have to pay attention to everything from, you know, the listings that you have out there on Google and uh, Yahoo and Waze and Uber and everything. Um, now there's about 60 different directories that we monitor that you really should be up on, on a monthly basis. You have to make sure that you're showing up in the the search results. And if you're not showing up in the search results, you're going to have to pay for that till you get there. Right. So a lot of these things, you know, that used to be in what they call it a digital budget, not a marketing budget, or used to be in a marketing budget or really, you know, internet utilities now. Mm-hmm. Right. So SEO, you know, it's, it's saying, Hey, if, if I don't if I build a website and I don't want to do any SEO, that's kind of like say, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a building up here, but I'm not going to turn on electricity to it. You wouldn't do that. You know, your web hosting, people go, oh, that's part of a marketing expense. Well, eh, it's really a utility, right? Like that's never going to change. That's never going to go away. Some of those things, you know, you have a website, keep the content fresh, but you don't have to get overly crazy with it, um, especially for, you know, a small guy or a small business. I've seen guys, you know, I'll try to read, uh, write two blogs a, a week and I'm like, uh, have fun with that. Right. right, like you're never gonna get picked up. You know, you're, you're you're wasting your time. You know, there's other efforts that you can spend. Social media is great for awareness, but it's not necessarily a, a lead driver at first. You can make things happen, but it gets more expensive. You know, as you narrow down your audience understand you kind of get what you pay for. Do you want the key or do you
0: want the Cadillac? Yeah, no, it makes, makes a ton of sense. Well, Todd, our last question of the show centered around the theme here on Conquering Columbus, and that is live uncomfortably. So without telling you too much about why we chose that phrase as a theme for a show about entrepreneurs, business owners, folks who are leading their fields in Columbus, what do you think of when you hear it? How does it apply to your life and career?
1: It, being in the digital side, we live uncomfortably constantly, you know, just like I said before, you know, you'll have a customer that'll, you know, let's let's go do this or hey, have you seen that? And we're like, no, we haven't had a chance to read that. Mm-hmm. You know, I get a couple hundred emails and newsletters and we try to stay up on it and we, we communicate internally. But is it's constantly developing it's constantly adding it's constantly you know reevaluating what we do so Mm. we can never get completely comfortable so we're we're constantly living of you know every six months you know we'll look at a customer and go i know this has been working we're seeing deterioration maybe we should change this up maybe we should look at other things and so it's not only making us live uncomfortably because you know we don't want to where we're gonna change something and we're gonna gamble a little bit to to make it better. Or, you know, nine times out of ten it's better. Right. right. But, you know, we're uh, I'm not flawless here and not living on a boat in, in the Bahamas. So do so I get that formula
0: down, we'll be fine. Well, Todd, thanks so much. It's been great talking with you. I appreciate you coming on telling us more about your story and Smart One Marketing. No problem. Thanks, guys. I truly appreciate it. Yeah, and Conquerors, thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed that interview, you want to hear more just like them, go ahead and hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast app you are listening on. It'll make sure you don't miss an episode from us any week. And if you want to learn more about Smart One Marketing, you can head over to smartonemarketing.com. Nice and easy. Smart One, the number? And smart, number one. Number one.com. All right. Thanks, everybody, so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you next week.